Welcome, everyone, to the Roaring Lion Podcast, where we meet interesting lions and discuss relevant topics affecting Lions Club International. My guests today are Brad and Emily Barth. They are members of the Altoona, Wisconsin Lions Club. Brad is a passenger governor and serves on state committees as well as his district cabinet. And Emily also serves on the district cabinet. How are you two doing today? Doing well. We're doing good. And it's... Good to hear your voices again. It's it's been a while, and I wanted everyone to out there in the internet world through uh, Landscape International to introduce you to because you are a very different and dynamic uh, Lions couple that Lions Club International is uh, trying to recruit right now uh, into Lions Club. So I figured it'd be great to. Have all the listeners hear your true story and how you uh, how you do what you do with also being full time parents. So, thank you for agreeing to be on here. No thank you. So, first of all, give us a little background about yourselves. Uh, tell us about uh, what you guys do for a living and set the picture here for all the listeners. Um, I am a team lead computer programmer for Menards. Um, so I oversee a group of programmers and report to my manager, um, and I deal with getting product to the stores or direct shipping to your home. Um, so I've been doing that for over 15 years, um, with a stint of working in the warehouse. Um, so that's what I do. And I'm sure Brad business has picked up quite a bit in the last four months. <laughs> it, it, it. Different business has picked up in a different way than what we were expecting. You know, more of it's all online now. That's been that's been the big thing. Then Emily, what do you do for a living? Um, I work at UW of Wisconsin Stout. I work in their campus cards, so I'm issuing the cards to all the students and helping them manage their funds for eating and getting into doors for labs and all the residence halls and things like that. Well, awesome. So uh, I'll start with you, Brad. Uh, when did you become a Lions member? I became a Lions member, I believe it was this late 2009. Uh, with Altoona? With Altoona Lions Club. Actually, that's wrong. I was actually the charter president for the UW Eau Claire Lions Club back in 2000. Oh, wow. Briefly. Um, unfortunately, just due to, um, losing track of our guiding lion, uh, not knowing what to do and, um, just 
trying to figure out the recruitment handling on a university, which is a different ball game, are the club folded two years later. Yep. Um, Campus clubs are, are hard to keep members for, and I, I totally get that. So um, it was kind of in limbo for a while, and then basically, I guess, we reactivated my membership end of 2009 with the Altoona Lions Club. Well, I'm glad you came back, Brad. Then, Emily, when did you uh, join Lions Club? I joined in early spring of 2010. So it seemed like a different year than Brad, but it was only months apart. Same lines. Same lines here. All right. Well, uh, Brad and Emily, I know you both uh, very well, and I know you both have interesting stories on how you became Lions members. Uh, So, Brad, you have a very interesting story, if you don't mind sharing with the listeners, on how you became or how you got involved in Lions Club before you became a member. Do you mind sharing that? Sure. Um, So... I am, I was born a preemie and because of that, um, I was also, I'm also hard of hearing. Um, shortly around the time I was born or sometime shortly after my grandfather was a lion and he made sure to tell my mom to send me to Wisconsin Lion Camp, which purposely has deaf and hard of hearing weeks along with visually impaired weeks, uh, mentally challenged weeks and diabetic epileptic weeks for kids and for adults. So my mom sent me and I apparently enjoyed it very well. (laughs) I don't remember that. I mean, I was only five, five or six. Um, But I went every year. Um, I loved camp. Camp was always a great thing. And during my time in camp, met many people, uh, many other kids that are in the same situation that are very great friends and um, got to really know that I'm not the only one, you know? So it's, it really helps out in knowing what you can do and what you can strive for. In con- learning as I grow through camp that how it was handled was started by the Lions of Wisconsin. I started um, working with my grandfather in high school on any of his Lions Club's fundraisers and or events that needed any additional help so i knew that at some point in time i was going to join lions and so um as stated before i I had the opportunity to charter a club so i did that in college and and then um you know college continued on life started and then turned around shortly after year after we got married um went ahead and joined the altoona lions club so that's why my main drive really is to um, really continue supporting the Lions camp because of what it's done to me. Um, and so in joining Lions, I've learned how much more Lions does and covers, which goes to why I went beyond just the club and up to the district level. And uh, Emily, uh, what's your, uh, I know you also have, a little bit of a story before you joined Lions and you knew about it. Can you tell the audience about that too? Sure. My dad was a charter member of the St. Peter Lions Club in Wisconsin. Um, and so throughout all the years growing up, he involved us in everything Lion. If they had a pancake breakfast, I was in there grabbing the dishes, cleaning them up in the back, helping serve. 
Um, they also he also got me involved in some of the service activities they had. It was more of a family thing, even though he was the only Lions member. We still had to help out, but we also enjoyed helping out. So I knew about Lions my whole life, and as we got older, he shared more about what Lions does, what is the point of this pancake breakfast, what they do, and his club is was one of the clubs back then that they had a special day that they went to camp in the spring to get it ready for those campers. So I knew about Lions Camp. I didn't really know what it all entailed until after I met Brad here, but I did know that he always went there and they had people that were cutting trees and painting and doing all sorts of stuff to spruce that place up because those campers were really important to them. All right. And then I met and learned so much more. <laughs> uh, uh, you two are definitely uh, a good uh, a good sampling of uh, what uh, it means to have uh, parents and grandparents and lions and have that uh, be passed on to you, both of you. And now uh, you two are taking the, taking the torch now. It's it's uh, great to know that. So uh, this is a question for the both of you. Uh, what's the best service project that you two have been a part of? What's the most uh, satisfying thing you've done as a line on the service side? You want me to go first? I think I'm going to steal your thunder, though. Okay. <laughs> so there's an event that our club puts on that actually Pastor Sir Governor Brad here got our club into. You were there too. I was there too. You told too. me. I just had. I just stood up and brought it out. <laughs> so every year, our club decorates one of our parks in the city with Christmas decorations and lights. And one of their decorations was a sleigh. So Lion Brad and I both were like, "Why don't we bring Santa? We've got a sleigh for him to sit in." And so since then, oh, when did that start? Back in two thousand twelve. Yeah, something like that. Ever since then, every year, we bring Santa, we have a costume and everything with elves as well, to our to that park for one afternoon. And all of the kids, any kid can come and talk to Santa. They get a little goodie bag. We have cookies, hot chocolate, things like that for them. And it has grown so much. I, how many did we serve the last time? Like, I think we almost topped almost 200. 200 kids, something like that. So, um, good thing Halloween candy's cheap. <laughs> oh, I just love doing that. I love the stuff that we can do for kids because they are our next generation and they need all the help they can get, honestly. So, that was that's my favorite project that we do. Uh, Brad, uh, I'm going to take a wild guess. It's probably the Lions, Wisconsin, Lions, Wisconsin, or Wisconsin Lions camp. Am I, am I going to be right on that? Yeah, that um, the few times I've been able to coordinate in going to help camp um, clean up, get ready for the spring, or I don't think I ever made it to closing down in the end of the year, but for sure cleaning up to get ready in the spring. It's always fun. Um, I also have a personal connection because the camp director, well, she was a uh, upper class camper when I was a camper. And then when I was an upper class camper, she was staff. Um, and then I actually worked at camp one year. Um, so Andrea was my director. That's, she was my boss. So 
so that always is fun, you know, to reminisce and see again. So that's usually one of my favorite activities is um, anything relating to camp. You know, I'm thinking about it. I think we actually joined in 2008 and 2009. Was it? Yep. Because it was after we got married. Before we moved. Oh, it was before we moved? Oh, yeah. And then I think Santa in the Park was 2010. Oh, gee. (laughs) (laughs) Numbers go well in our life. (laughs) So I know the both of you are very proud parents of uh, two boys. And... And that kind of segues into uh, what our main topic is going to be here in this podcast. So uh, I'll, I'll start with the uh, kind of a softball question here, if if it is. Uh, what's it like to be very active line members, not just in the club, but beyond the club in the district and state, as well as be the parents of two children? Uh, <laughs> that's that, I don't know how I do it. I and I'm I don't have any kids and. Uh, I just, I just don't know how you balance balance that time. So if you want to fill us in on how that is, I'm sure there's a lot of listeners out there who would love to hear how you guys do what you do. How much time do we have to talk about this topic? Well, we, we got time. So. <laughs> All right. Um, so we have two boys, ages uh, seven and five, um, Brian and Ethan. And a lot of it was just for sure you got to make sure you have communication since Emily and I are both in the club, you know, we can have constant communication. So at this moment in the game, um, before all of our pandemic stuff, Emily attended board meetings because she was on the club board. I attended the general meetings. And then um, since I have a variety of functions on the district cabinet and state level, I would attend those meetings. But I would always come back and give her my notes, give her the agenda, and then also discuss what all transpired so that she at least knew what was all going on. Um, And it's the same thing in relation to when I was going to go to be district governor. I was, I forget what year it was, but I turned to Emily and I said, I want, I want to do that. And she was on the cabinet as editor, district editor, and she ended up somehow telling somebody. No, I didn't tell anybody. You had to. Have. It just showed up one day on their like future district governor list. They had his name down, mm-hmm. and I came home and I was like, Brad, you're on the list. I don't know how that happened, but you're on the list for district governor. So someone got the word somewhere. So, so because we knew of what was going on, we planned that I would go in in Chicago because that way it was close to home, you know, because we were thinking of having kids. And so there was, you know, there was a lot of communication there. More so Emily had to watch the boys a lot that year, especially, Uh Um, you know, with me coming home late those nights, visiting clubs and such. Um, But work, work took it well. I mean, generally it gave them enough heads up notice say hey this today I got to leave at four you know to get down to this club but it wasn't many our district's kind of small or not small in area relation so the longest drive was like two hours so that's not too bad um as for the boys themselves um they know lions um they recognize the symbol we we've made sure through uh be seen promotions to 
get them shirts. So that way they feel included. So if they went to a convention with us, which they have, um, or other events, they can wear a lion shirt. Um, one of the easiest ones that they can help out in is, you know, park cleanup days. So we, they love to at least get a couple minutes of helping out and then they can go play. It's fine. Um, but they, it's, it's been, it's been a struggle now and then because, you know, they're kids, but working together and communicating and then getting them involved, um, our kids involved really, I think helps out. I think they're going to, they're going to really want to help out in their community and such as they grow as long as we keep them involved. And that was also just a lot of working with our parents when he was district governor to be like, hey, there's this district convention that we would like to go to and we could bring the kids, but it did make it more difficult. If we brought the kids, we couldn't go to any seminars or listen to any of that stuff because they were little, they couldn't sit through that. So our parents helped out a lot by watching the kids so that we could do that type of stuff on the weekends. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I gotta say, that's, that's a really good idea to get your kids involved in projects because uh, A, you don't need to find a sitter to do that. And B, that's pretty admirable of you two to start teaching your young kids already the value of giving back. And I think that's, uh, I think that is a really good way of, uh, of uh, you know, being, having the whole family involved in, in Lions Club. I, I think you, you two might be on to something there and I'm, I'm sure uh, that is a good way to, uh, you know, be involved and also uh, be involved with just the kids. That way they know what you're doing as well. And that, that kind of segues and unless you have anything else to, to share on that uh, topic. <laughs> yeah. I mean, not even just service activities, even fundraisers. Um, there might not be a lot that the kids can necessarily do, at least at this age. Um, I know one of our dinner fundraisers, whenever we're going to have them again, I'm sure once the kids are older, they'll be able to help like bust the tables and such. But either way, we make sure to just, you know, to be like, hey, I'm going to work this shift. Why don't you come bring the kids, go play at the carnival, get food, and then relieve me. And then I will take the kids home or vice versa. So we've done a lot of coordination that way, even with just fundraisers. So it's not just service activities and getting the kids involved even get them involved in your fundraisers of them participating in the fundraiser or at least them coming to say hi and, you know, they do kid stuff for a little bit and then they leave with the other parent while you swap ships. Emily, do you have anything else to add on how, how to manage, manage this? Well, it's, there's just a lot involved in it. I think one thing that really helped us, is that we were Lions members before we had kids. So our Lions Club has, for the most part, like latched on to our kids. They love it when we bring the kids to things because they haven't seen them and they can't believe how big they've gotten and how many years it's been since they were little. So we had such a connection with our club before mm -hmm. we even had kids that once we did, they knew things were going to change, but they were on board with it because they got to see the kids. Um, one thing that is interesting is, so from what I know of, 
Emily was the first person who was pregnant while being a lion in our club. So that's basically we had the first kids in the club of that young age. And other members have joined since and also been young families. And what's really funny is I believe all the kids under 10 are all boys mm -hmm. in the club. Um, we haven't pursued yet working through like a cub club type deal, but I think when, I think we're going to be starting that soon, probably more so when our oldest is nine or 10. Uh, well, for sure, probably try to focus on that just to give them an ability to be involved to a fashion. Um, that is one of the weakest points of, you know, international stuff. They have, they have a pamphlet, you know, for a club club, but it's, it's just like little points here. Here's an activity to do during the meeting. Here's a coloring page, you know, for this age group, here's an activity to do, you know. It'd be nice if they had a little more meat onto that, but I think that also relates to, you know, my club, your club, my, your club, your way. Um, so that you can plan your club around how you want to do it. We've heard stories of, you know, some Lions members rotate out watching kids like a daycare. Um, unfortunately, the place we meet, it's one, too late at night, and two, I don't really want the kids being there playing around at that place. Just the room we're in was fine, but elsewhere, eh, it's a little dingy. <laughs> um, what? I love you too. Okay. <laughs> so, um, but there's been some stuff going on in the area construction-wise that we might end up maybe switching buildings. So we'll see what so this kind of perfectly segues into our main discussion topic here, and that is how do we get more younger couples with children in the lionism, and do you have any success stories yourselves of getting uh, acquaintances that you know our age into Lions Club or into your Lions Club specifically? Honestly, that's one of our weakest areas. Um, Emily and I are both not pushers. We're, we're big on telling the story, letting people try to make their decision. Um, you know, I try to have a pamphlet available. I don't always, um, you know, a new membership application. Um, what, what really happened is we live in Eau Claire, which is next to Altoona. And so a lot of our friends and family, we kind of, we know what they're all doing, what they're, what they're handling within their family life. And I know that a lot of them really don't have the same work structure that Emily and I have, where we're both technically working at the same time. So we can afford to easily split and, you know, one person attend to meet the other person not. Um, I specified, you can always be a member and then help out when needed. You know, but some people don't like that concept. They, if they want to join, they want to make sure they're available to help out all the time, not just one available. Um, so a lot of our newer Alliance members came from um, a person, a younger member who joined in the club because he grew up in Altoona. So he's done a lot of uh, two-way selling, I think. Hey, if you if you come join the club, I'll also get somebody to help out on your cabinet or committee or whatever that, you know, they're doing. 
you know, so it's kind of like a quid pro quo uh, type deal. Um, but the newer members have been staying to the best of my knowledge. So it, it's helped out and a lot of them have stepped up. Um, so there's been a, quite a few of them starting to come through as president here, along with some other board positions. So it, it's helped out. Um, our 12-year treasurer, 13-year treasurer was finally able to step back, you know, for a year, came back in another year, then stepped back again now for two years. So, you know, it's, we're getting there. And then just in terms of, in general terms of getting couples with kids, clubs need to a lot of times rethink how they do things. If they want couples with kids, they have to think about the location. They have to think about being open to allowing kids to come to meetings. That is one thing that I wish our club did a little more, was a little more open to kids coming to the meetings. Because I think we would get a lot more of the spouses of some of our um, members that have kids. So clubs just need to rethink themselves a little bit if they want younger members with kids to plan for those parts of their family as the kids. Kids will be loud. Kids will make noise. But, you know, they're your next upcoming potential members. If you keep them involved. They should stay involved. Yeah, I think that's one of the uh, big things that uh, is hard is getting that member in. Then you got them. Then how do you keep them in and retain them is one of the probably the biggest problems our association's having right now. Uh, Love two. Uh, we finally changed our meeting date and our due structure after uh, meeting on the same day for. 51 years because our club is 96 years old and uh it took a lot of convincing to do but we we put it out there saying that hey we can get more members if we move from monday to wednesdays because mondays was both the school board and city council nights and we can't get any school officials or city officials to join our club which we need desperately because we want to have that connection with both the city and the school because that actually helps your club because they have that inside track of what the needs are of your community, both in the school and the city. And now that we have both a super, our superintendent now is being able to join as well as two city council members, we have that inside track of what is going on in our in our schools and in the city and I feel like that's made us a better club because now we can instead of be reactive we can be proactive in helping our community and just make it a better place to live and that's helped us gain members it's helped us become more visible in the community and it's just really a great thing to do that and we've found success in changing a little bit and we added the last Lions year seven members, including a 27-year-old, which is nice because now I'm not the youngest member in our club anymore. <laughs> what, you're only 28? I'm 29 now, so <laughs> two years younger than me. So that's, that's great. I did not know he was younger than me. So that was a great thing to see on the membership application. 
And so now we have three members under the age of 30 in our club, which is now up to 42 members, which is really great. And now we also have seven under the age of 50. So it's working out great for us. And hopefully we can continue it. Uh, It's going to be tough this this year, especially going to be tough to get members. Uh, So we're, we're going to see how we can do it. And we're going to, I think one of the biggest problems now heading into this lion's year, since we just switched over is going to be retention, retention, retention. Uh, We had a really good discussion at our uh, district governor team meeting on Sunday. And we talked about how, we have to get clubs meeting again. And what our district's going to do is we're going to purchase a Zoom server for not only us as district officers, not district cabinet, but for our members and clubs to use so that they can meet. Because if you don't meet, it's going to become more and more difficult to meet again and then you might have some members and, and clubs saying, well, why do we even have a club? We're not making any difference for the year. So why do we even still need to be a club? And then that club ends up folding. And we almost had that happen with a club here in our district, but luckily we were able to salvage it. We lost three fourths of the members, but we were able to salvage it and they can still keep their charter. So I think that's going to be one of the biggest challenges heading into this new Lions year is retention. I agree. Yeah. And especially because members like us, we like to serve. And right now you, there's not much serving you can do. And so if there's members that aren't as tied to their clubs as we are, and they're not doing any service, they might not see the point of the club. Even if there are meetings, it's still not serving. They're not doing anything physically. Yep, and it's, uh, I would say some success stories I have had. I was able to get two members during the pandemic months from, from March to June, just because of what, and this this just may sound uh, weird of all what we've both said over the years of how to get members, but now check writing might be a way to do it. I mean, it may it, I I will totally sound like a heretic to myself a year ago when I was set, say that check writing isn't the best way to get members, but now check writing might be your saving grace to donate to food banks to donate to get. Right. EE for uh, your city workers or your school workers or uh, nonprofit workers, things like that. And to figure out more online ways of trying to also raise funds, whether it's through a Facebook um, type posting or your events or stuff like that, because, you know, it's a little more risky trying to meet and put meet in person to do that type of stuff so i know i remember we've always said well check writing clubs you know how well do you help out how does your community know you yeah well now in this time frame yeah if you're a check writing club you're good as long as your members are willing to help out and or you have a way of retaining funds yep. I mean, that's to be the biggest more part more so is to bring back in 
the funds that you've now missed out from a lot of your other events being canceled. And we were lucky here in my club in Mount Vernon, Iowa. We were still able, we are still able to do our golf tournament because the CDC risks golf as a one from their, their scale of one to 10 on activities that are good or bad, you know, to spread COVID and golf is listed as a one. So we are still able to have our golf tournament. All we had to do was change a few things here and there, like obviously no big meal of a, of a meal gathering. Obviously you can't have that, but also we set it up to where it would be tea time. So that way they're all not in one big group because most tournaments are shotgun for charities. Well, we're like, we're going to have to do tea times now. So we'll set them 15 minutes apart. That way they don't all congregate together and Basically, at the end, we'll just uh, call the team and say, hey, you were the winners after it's done. So that's what we're going to do, which we've had to think outside the box, but it's a good way for us to think outside the box and still get revenue because golfers still want to golf. And Mm -hmm. with golfing being listed as a one, it really helps that golf fundraisers can still happen for those clubs or if a new club wants to start a golf fundraiser. Yeah. Is your district still having their golf tournament? Mm, I don't recall. I don't think so because you normally it was held in May, mm. and at that point things weren't quite okay with golfing yeah. and stuff. It was still stay at home stuff like that. So I don't know if they rescheduled it though for a different date. I know our state is still doing some of their tournaments for, for the foundations and stuff. And what, uh, uh, just uh, let me hear your thoughts. Uh, I'll, I'll ask you another question, uh, Brad and Emily. Uh, uh, the revenue is going to be really hard to get for your clubs now, especially with your club because you did the, uh, 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 let me sure I get this right, the Apple Cinder Days, right? Cinder City Days. Cinder City Days, that was our... I knew there was right here. In there. We basically did a car show. We had a carnival come in. Um, we've done do a little we've league baseball. Been, baseball or softball tournaments. Um, and then we had like the last few years we've had National Country X come in mm-hmm. and play one night. Um, so it's been a very big successful fundraiser, and that was the majority of our stuff for the upcoming Lions year. Um, so yeah, we're going to be hurting trying to somehow maintain or, you know, we're going to have to adjust who we're donating to. Well, but our club also does have a reserve fund that we have held for years. And that's kind of what this is for. It's mm-hmm. for a rainy day because our Cinder City Days is all outdoors. So if it would be a rainy weekend, you know, we have reserves we can go into and then just make it up the next year. So we do have at least options. Right. It just might not be the same amount of normal donations, right. but we could still donate. Has, with LCI's uh, policy coming out, saying that they're not going to charge clubs international dues, which also in turn means no state or district dues, do you think that'll help 
with members who, and that's another thing we haven't talked about, is those members who are unfortunately laid off. Definitely. That policy is going to really help um, with our membership retention. Definitely, because, you know, if you're, if you're all of a sudden not asking them, hey, I need that, you know, say 70 bucks, um, but they'd rather use the 70 bucks to go for groceries or, you know, for paying some bills that came due, you know, I, I can see that being a thing. What should make sure to happen is the club should make sure that no matter what happens, you somehow try to stay in contact with all your members. You know, that's going to be the big thing. You know, you can't, your club just can't go dormant. I know it's summertime, so some clubs do, but for sure you just can't go dormant because these people that, you know, are stretching for trying to make sure they can maintain, um, they're at least going to want to make sure they know that the club still cares about them and still keeps them informed. If you keep doing that, then sure, with no dues need to come around, they will gladly stay on. An idea for you guys is, and what our district's going to do, we're going to try to get a club back in a city here in a month. And basically what we're going to do is, and we read that policy word for word, the nice thing is, is that applies for new members as well. So mm-hmm. we're going to try to start a club in a town of about 4,000 people along the Mississippi River. And we're going to say, hey, you get a free trial period until December 31st to pay. So uh, just an idea to throw out to our listeners and you out there is that now would actually be an interesting time to start a club because you do not need the money up front. You don't need that $35 initiation fee up front. You don't need that money until December 31st of 2020. And so, now would be a good time to start clubs because they basically get a free trial membership for five months. So just an idea to throw out to you and other people. And, and also you can get members that way saying, Hey, we don't need a check until January 1st or December 31st, whichever way you want to do it. And just an idea to throw out there. Yeah. And we've, we've been lucky. Um, our club has some very good members who will always be like, you know, he's participating in a lot of events. If he's, if he's having issues, I'll cover his dues this year. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, so our club helps each other out if need be for that type of stuff. So that's really helpful that the members in our club are so tight and close that they have no problem doing that. And that's, that is awesome. So as we uh, wrap this up here, uh, are there any final thoughts from you guys and any, any particular issues or anything like that of lionism, you know? Well, one of the things for sure, which has been much better in our club lately, um, is when you have your meetings, keep them concise and keep them to an hour or less. You know, for sure, for sure the general meeting, because that's where you're gonna have more of your younger members coming in, not necessarily your board. Um, but even your board meetings, if you can, um, keep it shorter too. But that's, that's really helped because 
I've done it before. You, I think you've done it before, Emily, where it's like you've just had one of those days at work, and all of a sudden you check, double check your calendar, and you're like, oh, great. I got a club meeting tonight again. You know, there have been days where it'd be like, I'm on the fence if I go or not, because I'm just exhausted, and I just didn't want to deal with having to sit there for over an hour on a lot of stuff that they rehashed the previous meeting. You know, that's, that's one of the other things um, is, you know, keep repeating the same stuff over and over and over. It gets tough. Um, when we joined, our club actually had three meetings a month. A general meeting, a board meeting, and then a general meeting on three different weeks. And I realized how much you were basically beating the same topics each week. So when I became president, I said, we're going to not do that general meeting, that middle board meeting, basically. We'll save that as an open Wednesday in case we need it. So we did a board meeting at the beginning of the month, a general meeting at the end of the month. We've maintained it since, and so it's been very nice. I think, I think a lot of us have liked that so that we can keep going and not get burned out. And... Uh... I know we've always talked about this, Brad and Emily, get your business done in a board meeting, not the general meeting. The general meeting should basically be what happened in the board meeting, what they decided, and you vote on what the board proposes to the rest of the club, and then you're done. I mean, that's that's what a general meeting should be. Uh, we've all we've both talked about that many a times, and now that I'm traveling for my governorship, I can I can tell within the first 10 minutes of a meeting after the meal if this is a good and well-managed run club or a not so good well-managed run club just in the first 10 minutes of the meeting. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Brad. I'm sure you could you you saw your fair share of uh, the way clubs operate your district owner year. Uh, am I wrong in that? Yeah, you, you can kind of spot that. Um, I'll admit, I get, I, I would say that every now and then I had some envy or jealousness of the clubs where half hour before the official meeting, they run their board meeting and then they go into their official meeting and they're done. You know, whereas, whereas our club, we just have one, we've got, you know, 90 plus members. But then on top of that, because of the events that we carry, um, the lights in the park, Santa in the park, fish boils, and Cinder City days, especially and such. It just doesn't. We we have so many other topics that have to come through with the committees that can't do a board meeting fast. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And so so that doesn't. Help I'm all but myself. We are kind of bad in our club personally. On um, we kind of do a lot of business day in day out. We have a little more guest speakers now and then at the general membership, but we don't necessarily have a good, we don't have a good place right now where we can do like, oh, let's watch the latest video from LCI or one of the, uh, what were those called? Pancake breakfast. The pancake breakfast videos. You know, I think a lot of people would get a kick out of those. It'd be nicer to be able to do some more of those to make the membership meetings be a little more upbeat and low key. Yep. 
And I've, I, I've always had no problem with a board meeting going two hours because that's where the business gets done. I've never had a huge problem with that because I know that's the way it goes. But when it comes to a regular meeting, I'm just like, oh, gosh, I'm looking, I'm looking at my phone at the time like, okay, let's go here, you know, foot tapping and things mm-hmm. like that. So it is – I have had a lot of fun um, – now going to these meetings and seeing how other clubs operate i i call it idea stealing uh to see well they they do it and i'm sure brad you wrote down some notes as well when you're governor like oh i'm gonna take that back to my club you know and see if we yeah, can i think i've done a few a few of those types of things to be like oh that's a good idea let me at least discuss it over with the uh what do you want to call it? The core members. Oh. <laughs> yeah, the members that they know. We have certain members in our club that like constantly know what's going on in the community, and so they're the ones that have also been in the club for more years than us. Not necessarily always, you know, super old. You know, they're not in their eighties. Mm-hmm. They're in their, you know, fifties, sixties, seventies. And so they, you usually talk to them and they can then kind of give you that counterpoint or, yeah, I can, maybe let's try that next meeting. Or I don't think that's going to work. Just, just look at our membership, you know, entailment and, and such like that. So um, I've, done, I've done a couple of those. Mm-hmm. And Emily did manage to go to some club visits with me during uh, my governor year. Not, not a whole lot. I had the kids. Yeah, a lot of, some of the local clubs. So uh, we'll start wrapping this up, guys. Uh, final thoughts from you? Uh, final thought for me is just two people, think it members, um, just look at your club and think about small changes that you can make. And also stop saying we've done that before or we've always done it this way. Open your minds, think things through, help people bringing up new ideas, and get them involved in those new ideas, but don't make them do everything for it. Okay. Brad? I think Emily pretty much touched on the main point. Um, In a similar vein, don't push members to be officers. They will join when they're, they will step up when they're ready. So as long as you can show them, and, and if you ask and at least just say, hey, I can, you know, call me anytime, you know, as long as everybody's open about that, at some point in time, those members will step up. They will become an officer. Just don't assume it's going to happen right away, the next club meeting after their induction meeting. Yep, I, I agree on that. And to finish up your point, I've always found uh, it's not really great to ask a new member, hey, will you be second vice president? I found it more like, hey, do you want to lead this committee? Mm-hmm. I've always, or do you want to be on this committee to get involved? I found that's a lot. They'll take that more than being an officer, and that also gives them that leadership experience of running something. That way, mm-hmm. they're ready to go to run a club when they're asked to be an officer. Right, and that goes to uh, the mentor type program. You know, especially with the sponsor, but also a mentor, making sure that these new club members 
really know not just what your club is about, but what, what Lions Club International is about. A lot of people, when they sell Lions, they sell Lions in relation to what their club does. But it's way bigger than that, and there's way more things that, you know, a member might all just be like, hey, I really want to do this. What can Aaron, what can be done so that we can also do the same thing that Aaron National is doing? So there's, there's so many ways to be able to, to grab onto resources and support in those passions. Yep, 100% agree there. So Brad and Emily Barr, thank you both for being on the podcast here. This, this was really fun to – uh, always, our discussions are always uh, in depth like this. We could probably go on for another hour if we wanted to, but uh, I don't think people want to listen to a two-hour podcast. But anyway, uh, it was really great uh, hearing from you guys again. And as always, it's a pleasure talking to you. And hopefully, once uh, all this uh, COVID nineteen stuff is over, we can meet up again at a convention here soon. No, that'd be great. Thanks, Paul. Yep, thank you. So this has been the Roaring Lion Podcast. I'm Paul Fugit, and we're signing off. Uh, make sure to stay tuned and see when our next episode will be. Uh, have a good day, everybody.